Good morning and welcome to your daily game face. I'm Dr. Kim Lynn and I'm here with Lou Blasi who makes me laugh every Wednesday. We're talking about headphones that yeah, make my hair squashy. Yeah, but looks on everything. You what? But looks on everything. <laughs> well, yeah, well, you know. The headphones make your head all squashy? Yeah. So we're talking, we're talking before we went on the air about the fact that we have a piece of glass between us. I'm always going, huh? Yeah. What? And he's saying. After she, after you yelled at me for uh, see I if I was losing you. my hearing. Yelled at you. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. And I w he told me to wear earbuds because I refuse to put those headphones on yeah. because they make my hair squashy. It's fine. It's fine. And earbuds. So are... Vanity yeah. overrules practicality. That's fine. Yeah. So I will happily, not reluctantly, happily put an earbud in, but those stupid headphones make me have hair squash. Yeah, we can't have that. Squash. No, we can't have that. I have to have my, yep. you know, my quaff. <sighs> anyway, Perfectly good morning, you guys, and welcome to your Daily Game Face again, and we're very excited to be here today, aren't we? I am. I am. It's a beautiful day. It's supposed to be pouring out, and it's actually 70 degrees out right now. It's supposed to be pouring? Yes. Oh, okay. Okay. Where I do don't. you live? I don't pay attention to the weather. Well, I do because it's really important to me. Show that up I get and deal outside. with whatever's there, right? Oh, you can't put any mental energy into the weather. Well, it's not all of us can live on the beach. <laughs> it's worse on the beach. Well, yeah, but you should be able rain. to look out your beautiful window every day and see your beautiful weather. Yes, it's good. Um, you know. Um, anyway, so we have lots to talk about today. Did you know that? Oh, for people that are listening, because uh -oh. I know they are, yes. today, the, the beverage of choice yeah. is a mocha macadamia no sugar Splenda, half a Splenda, splash of skim milk, and mm. iced medium. Oh, wow. As I take my sip. So for my friend out there that likes to know what I drink, yes. and she drinks oh, really? her hot chocolate, Yeah. I'm giving her the heads up because... Get a Duncan sponsorship. It's what? You should get a Duncan sponsorship. I need get people I'm asking. I'm going to need big sponsors for this year's Boston Marathon. <laughs> <laughs> so anybody out there that wants to just drop a $10,000 gift in my lap so that I don't have to deal with the next six months of raising money that makes my head explode, please please do that. Will Bill or Mr. Kraft give you a call if you don't make your $10,000? Uh, well, it would be for the Kraft Foundation yeah. that I'd be raising the money for, and so I'm debating of whether or not I do this because it's a lot of work. Fundraising <laughs> 10 grand. And I feel like yeah. I just did it. What? Fundraising 10 grand. Yeah. yeah. Fundraising 10 grand during the summer is a lot harder than doing it during winter because well, imagine, yeah. the holidays make it easier because you can have, you can still have parties in the summer, but you have parties for the holidays and you do giveaways that are different and like people are buying. It's just, yep. it's a different thing. So you have to sort of reconfigure it. So summer parties are fun, you know, outside bands, like, you know, entry fees, all that kind of stuff. But it's a lot of work. And so given my schedule, as you know, mm -hmm. I have, when I walked in here today, what was one of the things I said? I need an extra day. Yes. Yeah. Or week. Which is, and then at be the same time, I said, for. and I need a vacation. Yeah. <laughs> yep. At the same time, I'd like a vacation and an extra day, please. So Monday would have been a good day to run. Thank you. I did run on Monday. I did, did a half a marathon. Yeah. We were going to do a whole together, myself and John. Mm -hmm. But, um, yeah, I pooped out. Because I haven't really been training for a whole, and I thought, I'd like to not be sore. So I would have made it probably 18 miles, but then I said, eh, I'll hold. So we did do half. Yeah. John okay. does marathons, too? 
Well, he doesn't really do them. He walks along and meanders along or drives by and oh, okay. water. And so we, as in we. Okay. Yeah. So now he's got, are you kidding me? He's, he's, he's disabled. He's got a yeah. hurt knee. I can imagine. A hurt elbow, yeah. Yeah. a hurt neck, a hurt bicep. He tore his bicep a year and a half ago and still hasn't had it fixed. Tore it. Wow. <sighs> so that's not my issue. That's, that's his issue. Yeah. Not mine. <laughs> he's falling apart. Not my issue. Um, so anyway, so so how's your weekend? My weekend was okay. Yeah. It's work this time of year. It's work weekend. So. Why? Oh, you have honey do list. No, I have uh, Sirius XM oh, on the weekend. That's right. You have Sirius yeah. XM. Mm -hmm. That's right. I forgot. I was thinking outside. No. So, so well, I was going to ask you, how's your sleep? <laughs> Why do you ask? <laughs> because it's going to be part of the show today. Oh, okay. Okay. Good. Great. <laughs> Thought you saw something. Sleep's actually been good. Oh, good. Yeah. How many hours? How many hours of sleep do you get a night? I try to get eight. I wow. really do, but I get seven. Okay. And then do you sleep all the way through? Is it like consistent? Well, I'm of that age where there's usually one trip oh, a night you're at of least. That, age that you yeah. have to urinate in the yeah. middle of the evening. At least one, maybe two, depending on you know how I did. But sleep is something I put a lot of thought and work into. I don't take it haphazardly. No. Well, we have had this discussion before. Yeah, I have sleep habits and the, because I didn't always sleep well, so right. I've worked on it. Right. Well, that's because you're a threat generator, and threat generators get sleep issues. Yeah, right. <laughs> so. And then on the other hand, when you do that, you threat generate, you get the sleep issues, then the sleep issues generate problems for you. Exactly. And I got sick of feeling bad the next day because I only got five hours of sleep or four and a half right. hours of sleep. So. Well, I started to take it seriously. Well, that's good. So, yeah. so this is this is an important thing because we have had, you know, I've talked about sleep before and mental health, but um, I want to revisit that. There's a couple topics I wanted to talk yep. about today for mental health issues and just being happy and healthy, um, and your best healthy self. But so, uh, there's been a lot of talk in the past few years, probably the past decade, just about kind of Alzheimer's and dementia in general. And there's been an interesting surge of information just regarding, um, you know, where dementia and Alzheimer's comes from and so on and so forth. And there's this very fascinating study, and there's a couple, but there's one that stands out to me that I want to talk about because sleep is such an important base of um, everyone's mental health and people don't realize, yeah. you know, people think, oh, okay, it's exercise because we talk about exercise a lot and I talk about right. food and nutrition, but really sleep is such an important part of your mental health because it's your regenerator and people kind of take it for granted. And, you know, when I ask about that in an intake or I ask about that as a consistent question, like, how's your sleep going? How's your, um, as a standard question, people kind of bypass it like, oh, it's fine. Or, oh, I have, you know, I sleep off and on, you know, whatever. There's always yeah. like a sporadic kind of like intermittent answer. Yeah. But, Who sleeps? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Who yeah. needs sleep? Like, yeah. You know, and I have, and I'm no different. So, I mean, I have two of five fur babies that impede my sleep on a nightly basis. <laughs> I have to go away on a vacation just to have sleep yeah. because right. they yeah. interrupt me at least no less than 15 times a night. And people say, well, why do you let them sleep in bed with you? Well, because I do. And we're not going to debate that. And B, <laughs> it's a they... choice that I make because I love the love over the sleep. Yeah. But and they wouldn't here's... live with the decision not to let them in the room. So right, exactly. it's not like well, they'd go I along with it. I would still be up because they'd yeah. be scratching and crying exactly. and doing all the things. Yeah. So, um, but nonetheless, so sleep has a couple different things going on with it. But the most important thing that I wanted to say today is that there's this fascinating study that's out that's actually got a lot of good 
legs to it that is about how dementia and Alzheimer's and people over 50 who start having, or not start, but who have poor sleep, like under six hours of sleep a night and lots of interrupted sleep that's under six hours, which isn't me and isn't right. you, yeah. um, tend to be more likely to have the vulnerability and propensity for having um, Alzheimer's and dementia. And so for people that don't know what that is, it's the memory disorder of the degeneration of the placking of the brain, mm -hmm. that, or the buildup of placking in the brain, and the degeneration of certain areas of the brain that help your memory, like you know your hippocampus, your hypothalamus, your regulators in your limbic system, um, and your frontal lobe, and so on and so forth. And so why is that true? It's very scientifically very obvious um, for me, but for you guys, it's because our brain is a regenerator every single night. And so when we sleep, what we're doing is we're basically clearing the brain, which clears the body, which is why, you know, in the morning you wake up and you have to go to the bathroom yeah. if you're not getting up two or three times <laughs> a night or because of prostate issues or whatever. Yeah. But it's also the way that the liver clears, the kidney clears, the brain chemicals kind of do a reset and I'm saying that loosely because yeah. not quite how it works, but it just to give you a visual. But it's it's a regenerator every night, a restorative piece of you. So what it's doing is it's pushing the protein, <clears throat> excuse me, the pushing the protein that comes through your brain um, that is built up from, you know, glutamate, salt, sugars, all the things we talk about, caffeine, alcohol, drugs, et cetera, et cetera, that people do or don't do. And what it does is if you get seven, eight hours of good consistent sleep, most of the time, then you're less likely to be vulnerable to the memory disorders that come with age in their 60s and 70s and 80s. And and more likely also, and this is, I'm adding this in because this is the other piece of the mm -hmm. other pieces of studies that come in, you're also less likely to have um, dementia because you're clearing because your diabetes risk won't go up as much because oh, we cool. have great research in the past 15 years on you know, that dementia and Alzheimer's is also diabetes type 3, which I've talked about before. So instead of type 1 and 2, which we know of, like, you know, growing up and having it and then having, you know, either because you're a poor eater or because you have obesity issues or because there's genetics or whatever, but we have got good research on the fact that type 3 diabetes is really... Uh, you know, the newer name for putting around a possible explanation for why people have Alzheimer's <laughs> dementia because there's a buildup of the sugars and the proteins in the brain which lead to the placking that doesn't clear. So that aside, sleeping and having good restorative sleep helps clear the protein that builds up to make those plaques and then all the pieces that go with, you know, the protein and the storing of like sugars and you know, the carbohydrates and the salts that come from, you know, late night eating, yep. junky eating, um, tiredness, because you're, you know, you're, eat they all go together, tiredness, so you eat more junk, or you eat binge at night, lots right. of big ice cream bowls, and then, you know, picking at the whatever peanut butter scoop, someone was talking about the 3 a.m. big peanut butter scoop in the middle of the night, <laughs> um, you know, nightly, uh, you know, or, or sleep eating, um, and then laying down on it and having that heavy meal or heaviness on your head and brain and then having that process because it keeps you up. Right. So such an important piece of, um, I think it's kind of intuitive, I think, to most people that obviously sleep makes you feel better kind of thing, but, but it has such impact on your overall health and wellness on a daily basis that people don't realize 
that, I think. I mean, yeah. and, and I only say that anecdotally oh. because I know that in my practice, one of the things that people complain about a lot, especially in the past year and a half since the pandemic, is sleep. Yeah, people don't un people underestimate the health benefits of sleep right. and the mood benefits of sleep. And you would say people who get seven or eight hours of sleep are also much, much more pleasant to be around, generally oh, God, speaking. Yeah. Well, because it takes the agitation yeah. down. It takes your, your you know, stress. It's all stress in that way, right, is that when you're getting, say you get a four or five hour night of sleep, your stress level goes up because it never has time to really go through all the different cycles of the sleep pattern that our bodies go through. We have five cycles of sleep, you know, the sleep process, you know, the alpha, delta, beta waves, then mm -hmm. we go through REM and then cycle back around. We do that over and over and over again through the night. And when you have f four or five cycles versus 10, yeah, that's a big difference of how restorative your body will feel around that. That's, you know, I mean, there's, there's something to be said when people get in, you know, traumatic brain injuries or they get into car accidents or that they get into induced comas to have the body set so the brain has a chance to recover and repair and flush the system, essentially. Oh, interesting. I didn't know that was the general purpose of an induced coma. Well, it's it's one of, mm -hmm. you know, is, is to be able to allow the body to not be um, overworking and let the brain settle so that the body can come back into, you know, homeostasis go into a little bit more detail about the stages because i wonder about i remember my mother was a slept in shifts she was she was you know she'd get up early in the morning get ready for work and then come back after work and nap right sleep for a while and then she'd be up late at night so she'd work at like on two two different two three hour stints or two four hour stints of work or sometimes when i'm not sleeping well there's the nap i gotta have the nap in the middle of the day right What's the, and, what's the role of napping? What's the role of uh, look at all these questions? Like, yeah. Okay. So well, so there's there's five there's five stages of sleep, but in four four distinct. Well, there's five distinct, but four that kind of go right in order. Then the fifth one, which is your REM cycle, which is right at the end, and it's right before you go back into your light sleep. So you're you're going from light. You go. You know. You start from a lighter sleep. Yep. It comes in and you go into a deeper, deeper, deeper sleep until you get into the full delta waves right so it goes by your wavelength in your brain and then it comes and pops you into the REM sleep so when you're dreaming state your dreaming state is sort of the in-between right before you go back into your your cycle beginning again which is why people say oh I remember my dreams you know that's one of the reasons yeah because it's not that when you're in deep sleep necessarily but it's right on the the cusps of the in-betweens between the end of the deep the right in the beginning of the um, light sleep. So when you're first starting out, a is lot that of, why it seems like you're dreaming right before you wake up all the yeah, time in the morning? Right, yeah. exactly. Or that you feel like you've been dreaming for a long, long time, yep. and oftentimes you're really you're not. It's just really, really quick. People say, "I dreamt all night." Uh, well, yeah. you everybody dreams, and so when people say they don't, that's not true. But you, people say, "I didn't dream at all," or "I dreamt all night." Well, you're dreaming in these in these little sections of your states of sleep. So. When you first go into your sleep state, it's not your restful sleep. So people say they're light sleepers. A lot of times when you see functional MRIs and you're looking at, you know, a sleep study, you'll see people go into the first stage or two. And I'm sure you've experienced this. It's, there's that little jump that you get when oh, yeah. you're first dropping in. Well, that's called, yeah. a, that's called a hip nick jerk. Hip nick jerk. A, a hip nick jerk. H-Y-P-N-I-K. So it's a hip nick jerk, which is, it's kind of the body's way of, 
it's right before you go into that next stage out of the light you know kind of unconscious subconscious like you can still hear things you're kind of yeah. drifting in and out but and then all of a sudden it's the drop so it's you know the people that say oh, i'm falling or something happens and i jump right so it's the body's way of the brain waves are spindling they're going through these spindle cycles of up and down in the wave and then sometimes that happens but that's kind of a signifier of like you're you're kind of dropping into the next stage. So right. you go into your next two stages and, and basically get deeper into sleep. Your body slows, everything else slows down, and you know your heart rate, your brain activity, everything is really at peace, essentially, so that your brain can start doing its repair work. And by the time you get to the fourth cycle, which is your, you know, your, your deeper delta and you know, smaller spiking and, and, and um, waves, then you can go into REM, and REM is when you dream, and you have all the things that are, um, as Freud would say in his interpretation of dreams, we're, that's where we're doing our repair work on our wants, wishes, desires, what is, could be, yeah. unresolved issues, things, you know, so when people say, you know, can we talk about a dream, and then they, you know, it's like, I, you know, something's chasing me, and I always feel trapped, and they're in a family dynamic that's fake i mean it's usually pretty obvious because yep. the metaphor or the symbolism of dreams is pretty obvious most of the time um so it's not it doesn't take rocket science for some of the dreams yeah. it's like well you're you're having sleep anxiety because of what's happening in your daily life and so your body's yeah. trying to repair it and it's dreaming about it and your symbolism is a do-it-yourself structure i mean you're yeah. creating your own symbolism so right. you you should be able to tune into it fairly easily yeah i mean sometimes there's some interesting interpretation of dreams that i do that um it, you know, like there would be a nameless, faceless person or persons in the dream. Yep. And they can represent a lot of different things. So, you know, and that's, you know, it's kind of a thing. It's a way of interpreting someone's psychology for them so they can have something else to work on in their head that, okay, this is, these are possibilities where you might be struggling or yep. this is happening. So, so, the restful, so the restful sleep, you talk about going back to the beginning, your restful sleep comes in having those full cycle circles of all those stages over and over again and not having them interrupted. So when they get interrupted, like mine or yours, yeah. right, then the body's reparative process is kind of up and down, mm -hmm. right? So it's harder to... How many times do you go through that cycle? In well, a night, so it Jim? depends on how long you sleep. Sure. So, so say, you know, you could go through that many times a night you go through that a few times a night just depending on how many times you pop out of sleep i mean so you know it only takes a few um seconds to get into the first stage and, and then you can be in the second for a few minutes and then and then the second the third and fourth for you know half an hour 45 minutes and then rem for like 10 and then out so so and typically i mean sort of by person but typically you see as the night goes on the cycle gets shorter because your body's circadian rhythm is getting ready to wake up. So when it's only four hours in and you set your alarm because you're going to get up for work, your body hasn't timed that to do it. That's why people can naturally, if they have a normal set schedule of sleep, they naturally can come into their sleep pattern and come right out of it yeah. because they're getting enough and the body knows how to cycle through eight times, let's just say, right? Eight, nine times. Yep. Um, so you've got seven eight times through the night and your body goes oh i'm done and it's repaired out so but when you're shortening up you're short changing that process which is why people you know at three o'clock in the afternoon are dragging and have to have a snickers yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's an important the, that consistency is an important part of the sleep regime isn't it mm. 
going to bed at the same I mean even on the weekends and during the week and trying to get up at the same time even if you get a chance to sleep in right an extra hour or two try to keep your schedule consistent so so yeah I mean people you know I, I always say um what are you doing this weekend I'm gonna sleep in uh, that sleeping in for me is like mm, yeah. that doesn't happen I mean yeah. it's a, it's it's worth the shot um, Most people wake up at the same time, regardless. They they, they get frustrated because they can sleep in and then they wake up at the time they always exactly. Wake up and, anyway. the, and then it, to go back to sleep is like, Ugh, forget it, right? Yep. So, so can it, so when you're consistent, it's so your... funny because during the course of the week, the dog will ro rob me of 15 minutes of my my last 15 minutes of sleep, and I'll be so upset. It's like, can you just give me the last 15 minutes? And then half of the week, I'm up 15 minutes before I need to be. Yeah. And I just and get then up. You just blame the dog. <laughs> yeah. No. <laughs> no it's dog. A, sometimes it's important to me, and sometimes sometimes it's, it's not. Well, and yeah. that probably depends on whether or not you feel rested or not. So, so it's interesting because, well, I don't know if it's interesting to anybody else, but so mm -hmm. I, I mean, I have a set pattern, whatever. But because you know, I have <clears throat> certain cats that have physical issues currently. Yeah. This is always like you know in my <laughs> way. Um, you know, I have a diabetic cat that has to have a seven a.m. shot with food and a seven p.m. shot with food, right? So at like 5.30, for some reason, that starts the witching hour of everyone starts stirring at yeah. 5.30. I'm like, seriously? <laughs> seriously? And sometimes I just can't take it. And so 6.30 happens and he gets it early. Because yeah. that settles everybody back down. And that allows me to have like an extra half an hour of something if I'm so inclined to sleep that late, which doesn't usually happen. I wonder if you train them that way too, that they get into a chronological rhythm. Well, because the house I mean, is usually up at, you know, is cats are nocturnal by nature. Yeah. So I have had to force them to lay down. Yeah, I'm sure that worked you know, well. So, you know, to to stay sedentary for the evening is yeah. very difficult at times. Um, but when you so so going back, I'll I'll cat stuff aside. The the cycling through, if you're if you're consistent and you're up at seven, and you only had four hours of sleep because <clears throat> you didn't go to bed or you went to bed and you laid there, which is also not a good thing. Like when you go to bed and you just lay there and lay there and lay there and lay there and lay there, you're training your brain to now the bed is a place where anxiety is yep. created to lay there yep. and not get rest because you're laying there thinking about nothing. I always love that answer. What do you think about nothing? Yeah. But you're always thinking about something. There's something always rolling in your head. So all of us in our field say, do not lay in bed. After 15, 20 minutes, you get up, you go to a different room, you go to a different, you know, go to a chair, go to a couch. Um, shouldn't watch TV, but I, I yeah. practice what I preach. I turn the TV on because that's more soothing for me. Um, but that's not the thing you really should do because it's yep. really you should have, you know, you should read something or you should put something on the dim light and then, you know, and drink something warm, not milk. That's a misnomer. That's old school. Um, <laughs> but, you know, just kind of settle so the bed doesn't become an anxious place of why you can't sleep and but, that every time you see it, like, oh, I'm not going to sleep. That's the major sleep problem, isn't it? That, that time when you go to bed is the front lines of that battle between your mind and yourself. Yes. Because when you're in bed, you have nothing else to distract you. All you have is the threats you're generating. All you have is the anxiety and the thoughts that you're dealing with. Sure. And there's nothing, in, there's no buffer. There's right. no distraction. Right. So you just have to deal with that. And then for most people, and for me, it ramped up to the point where it was intolerable, just couldn't sleep, just kept going and going and going. Right. So you have to, that's, that's the, one of the first places you win that battle. Right. Hopefully. 
is and and so so that's why the the sleep routine the sleep hygiene piece to you know people yeah. kind of dismiss but it's super important that if you're you know <clears throat> eating right before you go to sleep and you're drinking right before you go to sleep and i'm not talking water yeah right, right? and you're laying down on it that's a problem if you're not doing something ritualistic like you know putting all electronics down within an hour of going to bed now this is perfect because i will tell you right now i don't do all of these things right. i do some of them and i do so i do some of them all the time and some of them some of the time because you know nobody's perfect but i've figured out what works for me but ideal idealistically it'd be great if you could shut down at least a half an hour 45 minutes before electronics um, no TV, no, you know, whatever that is. And for, then have for me, kind it of became changing the nature of the electronics. In other words, you're not on social media. You're not on social doing media. Doing COVID. Not watching, not watching um, the news. Crime shows, yeah. which <clears throat> some people do for yeah. me at night because that seems soothing to me yeah. to watch serial killers as I go to bed. <laughs> yeah, for me, it's familiar television. It's probably stuff I've seen a hundred times. It's just on just for... You know, well, wallpaper and companionship. And that's a that's a yeah. common experience. I mean, my friend who's probably listening, she watches the same thing over and over. I have two friends, actually, that do that on a nightly basis. Two female friends that, like, mm -hmm. they just put it on for background noise and go to... Yep. And, you know, the theme songs. We've talked about the theme yeah. songs, you know? So, you know, Friends is their friend and yeah. other shows, right? Sure. Like Baywatch. I brought up Baywatch, Baywatch for you before you did. Yeah. Um, I've been resisting it. Like it's it. Good. I'm training you well. But it's, a, it's an important <laughs> part of that change in the electronics because you just get into something that's not uh, stimulating is the wrong word. You don't mind stimulating, but something that's. Well, it's, it is, but it yeah. is, it is stimulating. So you're trying to, you're trying to shut your brain down to relax. So there's a whole bunch of techniques that I give clients. Um, but one of them is, you know, taking, you know, taking and turning everything off and sitting with like some music on and just kind of thinking about, um, nothing, which you can't do nothing, but what nothing is, is just letting your brain run through your day and just like sitting with music on, taking a deep breaths, um, journaling. I have tons of clients now that have gotten into journaling. Now the traditional sense of journaling is very daunting for a lot of people. Yeah. So I have a couple different structures of how to journal without having it become this thing that's like overwhelming because you don't like to write or you don't like, you know, all those right. things. Um, so there's, there's different ways to ritualistically go into your, um, sleep pattern. Um, the most important thing is figuring out something that works for you that, that doesn't feel disconnecting. A lot of people say, but I feel disconnected. Um, a lot of people's sleep problems stem from the fact that they feel, a, uh, they feel a feel of missing out. So you know how little kids struggle to go to sleep a yeah. lot of the time and they fight you, fight you, fight yeah. you. The fight isn't necessarily always because they're not tired. It's because they fear they're yeah. going to miss out on something. And so, and, and as a child, going through that, that is, um, a per, uh, perpetuating for like adult, adolescent adulthood stress and sleep issues because there's that feeling of missing out, but there's usually something else going on in the child's life that they feel like they're missing out. If at nine o'clock at night and they're five or six, they're stressing about right. going to sleep. So it's, it's super important to, if you have kids to really get a good ritualistic pattern for them and, and by the way, I'm not a big fan of putting kids to bed as we get into the summer before the before dark. Oh, yeah. It's a real uh -huh. struggle for kids, and I have a lot of parents over the years that have been like, oh, you know, my 10-year-old, I put them to bed at 730. I'm like, that is... 
yeah. in the summer. I mean, no, you can't so do the that. body yeah. has to regulate around the circadian rhythm, right? And I understand parents are like, okay, go to bed. But you can't put your kids to bed when it's light out and there's kids still playing outside. Because that, so that's an aside issue. But it is important that you're creating an environment for the the body's trying to get into its rhythm. So the body's regulated on light and dark. So when we get closer to evening and dark, that's the body knows to yep. shut down. That's why going back to dementia and Alzheimer's patients, that once they start going into the evening hours, we have the sundowning effect. Because the brain knows that it's time to start shutting down. And that's when you see a lot of in later forms of um, the later stages of um, memory disorders, you see people ramping up with yep. agitation, belligerence, all those things, because the brain is starting to unravel itself at night. So it's the same thing what you're doing in a non-memory issued brain, that when you're creating poor patterns, that's what's happening. You know, you're having these yep. issues of... Um, in many ways, you're inciting the battle. Yeah, yeah. right. Exactly. Yeah. And so what that sets you up for is the psychology of the next day being very behind. Yeah. So, come, you know, sleeping, lagging. Oh, and then let's add in sleep medication. So there's another piece, right? So sleep medications, things like Seroquel, Trazodone, Ambien, NyQuil, over the counter, right? The other ones are prescriptive. Yep. Things like that. The, the prescriptive... Ambien, Trazodone, Seroquel are technically only supposed to be short-term, and I mean short-term, not every day. Right. Um, and by short-term, like under six months or less of, of use. And that's really on the outside coming from like a holistic perspective. You don't want to be using them because they're highly addictive. And I, I call those the floor lickers. <laughs> so I have a couple yeah. set of medications that I talk about when I, when I teach about them, about like they're the floor lickers because when you take them, the next day, even if you take them within eight to ten hours of you waking up, you wake up and you're like hungover, and I call it the flylicker. Yeah. Because your body, they're so heavy hitting, and they go through, you know, they process through your liver yep. and kidney. They metabolize that way. When your brain shuts down, so if you remember what I said at the beginning of the show, the brain shuts down to do restorative. Now it's got a medication that's got a lot of charge to it, trying to like fight it and clear it and move it through the body. And that's what it does. So it shuts your brain down so the brain goes into slower motion. And then you have to be able to process it. Yeah. So by the time you get up, you have a hangover. Not in the same way as alcohol, but my patients report always like, I feel like I'm like hungover or I'm so yeah. foggy and I feel facial he facial heaviness. And it takes them, you know, they get up at eight and it takes them till one to right. finally feel like they've cleared, and then they're going to take it again at eight that night. And I'm like, okay. <laughs> so, right. so you have to remember that those types of medications, although they work to help you get good sleep, good being in air quotes, it it's not it's a it's a it's a facade over long periods of time. It cannot it doesn't solve the problem. Right. And it again it goes back to it's a band aid. But it has its place to help people when they're having trouble so they can get some rest because it's more important to have that rest. But you still have to be able to wean off. And people stay on those medic. I have some patients that have been on those medications for years, and they're addicted. So they can't yep. – they could get off, but it's a process of, you know, and to get off those, you have to replace one of those with a different one of those and then wean it. It's just but often a, you go back right into the same battleground when you, when you get off of those. 
which is why <laughs> exactly. people don't. Well, because you're, you're not, not solving the, the underlying problem. Well, if you're not doing the work on the underlying problem that causes sleep issue in the first place, then you're right back to where you started. But this is the like talking about ADD last week and medications, mm -hmm. right? Medications serve their purpose, but you, the reason why you have them is so that you're working on the problem while you're on them so that the problem doesn't have to continue right. to then have to keep using the medication because those medications aren't meant for long term. So, um, so when people have medications on board, we often talk about making sure that they're working on, and that's one of my jobs is I'm as, I mean, I don't know if all psychologists do this, but I always work on making sure that whatever medication the person's on, we're treating the underlying condition that they're being treated for with the medication. So we're not missing it so that yep. eventually if a person decides I don't want to be on that anymore, they can choose that because they've been working on how to coping strategy it all the way through it without the um, medication. But the longer you stay on a medication that's addictive, as you know, and you've done many shows on this, the more fear-driven you are about the anticipatory anxiety of coming right. off of it and what will be and the unknown of what if does what if I'm a mess. So short-term, really important. And also being mindful that it plays with the brain chemistry to not be able to do what it needs right. to do on its own, just like any medication, right? Um, in terms of the, in psych meds, you know, I'm not talking like antibiotics right. or things like cancer or chemo or things like that. But um, and it's not an addiction issue, but I was on a good run with melatonin up until we talked a couple of weeks ago. Right. And I decided to drop it. And there are some, it, I like melatonin, but there are some issues with it, one of which is a three-hour wake-up. Right. Which you talked about. It also, it also kickstarts your dreams. Right. There's a lot more dreaming with melatonin. Right. And not only not always restful dreams. Right. Right. And the other thing about it is what you just described is melatonin is an eight hour commitment. Right. So even if you get up at six and a half hours, you get an hour and a half to deal with before that exactly. clears on you. And people don't realize that. Yeah. That that's because what melatonin does just for people um, that don't know this and missed a previous show is that melatonin is a circadian rhythm regulator. It's it's you know, it's a sleep aid, but it's not it's not supposed to be used daily. And right. if it is used daily, it's like every two or three days, then off a day or two. Like, because it's, it's, what it's doing is it's regulating your sleep cycle, which helps you sleep, but people don't know that. And then they say, oh, but it's helping me sleep. Because right. for a lot of people, it helps them sleep. Again, people not watching, air quoting, it helps them sleep, but it's not really helping you sleep. It's helping your circadian rhythm, which is the rhythm that goes on light and dark re-regulate itself so that it gets proper restorative repair which is why when you take melatonin it's an eight-hour commitment um and you get up at six hours in you're dragging yep. and then you're drinking 17 cups of coffee <laughs> yeah. to bring so it's a very vicious cycle that you know plus that creates more issues doesn't it, in long-term use yes. because it inhibits your body's natural ability to regulate this right exactly yeah. that's why not to use it every day or to use it every other day you know in it's a it's a um you know you need to have vacations from that and yeah. it's and that's why a lot of people when i see people they'll come in and like oh i've been on melatonin for a year it doesn't work anymore right yeah <laughs> right i'm at 10 milligrams and it's still not working right because it's not a sleep medication. It's not for sleep. It's for helping you regulate the rhythm. And now the rhythm is like, well, now it's fighting. It's fighting you. Because There's actually, I saw, I saw a st 
study or a piece the other day, and I forget the source and how reliable it was or anything, but they were talking about people being on melatonin just on a daily basis. Yes. Just general regulator, and I can't even imagine trying to go through a day, you know, on melatonin without sleeping. Right. You know, I, I don't know how, do people actually do that? So I I don't have any clients currently. I'm trying to think if I've ever had any clients that do that. Yeah. I don't think I have, but I maybe I'm unaware. But and it I was don't an anxiety any, type of yeah. I don't have treat, any quote unquote that treatment. Do that. But yeah. I do have clients that so not that, but they um, have taken um, like Seroquel during the day as an anxiety. E. <laughs> so Seroquel is a sleep med, yeah. right? So a, a floor liquor. Um, you know, it makes my yep. eye twitch when I hear that. And then also clonidine. Clonidine is a really common, this is all like in addiction work a lot of times, in ADD work. Clonidine mm-hmm. is used for um, sleep to get the body and everything to calm down. Um, works really great. Less side effects than things like Seroquel, Trazodone, and um, Ambien. Um, but the clonidine itself can be used during the day as well. It takes down like agitation, all those things. But again just like caffeine, just like sugar, it's changing the body chemistry to be able to do what it needs to do on its own. So long-term, short-term, great. Long-term, repetitive use, the body gets used to it. Hormonal, people don't realize as you get older, your body changes, your metabolism changes. That means if you're on a long-term medication, that needs to change as well at some point. It needs to be re-looked at because your body and your chemistry is always changing. Say you're going through menopause as a female and you're on medications, your hormones are really what's regulating a lot of what goes on for your mental health in a lot of ways. Mm-hmm. So if you're on a mental health medication for psych meds and then you've gone through menopause or you're in perimenopause or whatever it is, for instance, that's going to move around. You're all over the map. You're yeah. all over the map. Yeah. If you're a teenager coming into puberty and you're on those medications we talked about last week and you're going through puberty and basically that's up until you're like 23 years old, essentially, yep. and you've started on methylphenidate at 8 and now you're 15 and that's not touching you because you're still feeling all over the... Well, your hormones have moved around. So that means you're metabolizing in your liver and kidney very differently than you were when you were eight, when you didn't have the same hormones and progesterone and estrogen and testosterone all running. So that's why the mind-body connection, even though people kind of cringe because they think it's... All, well, it's mind-body because it's brain-body. It's they're, they're constantly talking because the system is recharging, recharging, recharging yep. all the time with chemicals that are changing. And when you add in any chemical, if uh, broccoli, that's going to... <laughs> banana, yeah. potassium is going to change. Um, you, add, you, know, you add in Chinese food and you don't say no MSG. That changes your brain. So if, if we just look at things and not say, oh, drugs and, and medication, okay, let's just take daily stuff... That impacts your mental health and your physical well-being all the time because it's a whole package all the time. Nobody's perfect. I'm certainly not. And we all have these things, but it's important to know so you can make mindful, good decisions on what you're putting in, how you're processing it, where you're at in your age and stage. Do you exercise? Exercise metabolizes your body faster. Drinking lots of water. Yep. You know, it's all those package deals, which is what I've, you know, make your best healthy life by making your best package for yourself. Um, you know, I'm making, I'm always making changes and tweaking things. And so now it's like, okay, I'm on another kick right now. So well, many times, many times with drugs, it's a fight to find the dosage. And that's the fight people think they're battling, but they think it's a fixed target. Right. It's not a fixed target, especially as you mentioned in menopause and puberty. Right. I mean, it's all, targets are all over the place right. on a day-to-day basis. Right. So it's just really hard to hone in on it and be effective with it. 
Right. And then, and then if we take, I mean, talk about mixed targets, right? So you talk about females and there is a gender difference, you know, like you talk about females after puberty. Well, you still have, you know, every, every two weeks in a first part of a front menstrual cycle of a, of a female, the hormonal change is so different. And that's why you have like a hormonal back end change on the last two weeks, because women tend to have lots of drop and lots of increase and depends on who they are and genetically how they're built. You know, there's some months where you're like happy, happy, and you get some women that are crying all the time or raging or, and then that's just on your no medication, just kind of day to day stuff. And then all of a sudden you add anything in. Yeah. Ah, Right. And Oh, by the way, men also have that. But it's just in a little different way. So women go through like menopause and like hormonal changes. Men go through andropause and hormonal changes, which is when most of the time, unless they've been doing drugs or alcohol that's off the chart in their 20s, Mm -hmm. um, erectile dysfunction comes along. And, you know, people like in their men in their 40s start sometimes in 50s and 60s because that same thing happens. So there's there are gender changes in both genders that impact medication use in sleep and reparative work, and so on and so forth. But is it true with men that it's more of a um, slower long-term change, almost to the point where it's gradual enough that people don't perceive it's happening, it's, whereas yeah, women, the cycles are more extreme and more frequent? Yes, I would I would say that that would probably be a good way to describe it, you know, yeah. and it's not, it's, it's much more subtle. And I also think there's a social norm thing into it, just at least over my years of doing this, that men aren't trained to pay attention to that as much because women, you know, it's just, you know, women have their periods and women are doing this and, you know, women are highlighted in that, whereas men aren't. Men Um, don't talk about moods. You know, it's supposed to talk about moods. Right. It's supposed to talk about subtle uh, discomforts. Right. So I, so I think that there, there is much more there that's just been socially suppressed in in the gender of being male than there is in female, like female, it's like out there, everyone talks about it. Whereas, you know, going back to the ADD last week and talking about that in combination with today, um, you know, a lot of times adults have been missed with those types of diagnostics because in men, especially because that's a weakness. Yeah. It's in, and men don't admit and, and to weaknesses. He's, yeah. he's an angry man or he's yeah. agitated and that's just who he is. But it's really usually a, a process of, um, some chemical change and, and the hormonal change and, you know, all the things that I've talked about for all the different, um, things across the board combined together and they're happening in men as well. So, you know, it's, it's, it's very similar. It's just not as in the mainstream. So the sleep battle for me condensed down to the everyday battle for me, which is to stay because anxiety is about, relitigating the past or worrying about the future Mm -hmm. and that becomes so prominent when you're laying in bed in the dark and you have nothing else to distract you from those thoughts that's the battleground it's about getting into the present and dropping dropping your anxieties about the future relitigating the past you know for a while i went through and i'm using the air quotes too is sleep hypnosis tapes yep because it's just a way to center your mind on where you are as opposed to not worrying about other things and that's again. That's I think that's the daily battle for everyone, but it's particularly prominent right before you go to sleep. So the sleep, so sleep hypnosis tapes are like listening to something like Calm or putting on, yeah. you know, distract. It's distractor. So what it's doing is it's taking you 
with a helpful aid outside of yourself when you can't do it for yourself or right. you're not you haven't been able to do it for yourself to just focus your mindset somewhere else so that it relaxes the brain to do what it's supposed to do on its own which is usually when people just drift off right so there's so when you and you're talking about sleep hypnosis the hypnotic state isn't you know yeah. going and cluck, cluck like a chicken yeah. it's hypnosis is really coming into a state of mind of 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 brainwave activity that drops because your you know your breath slows your respiratory rate slows you're able to have your your nervous system kind yeah. of come to a peaceful homeostasis we do it all the time driving is often a time when we're in a state of hypnosis i remember when i was a season ticket holder for the patriots all of a sudden i'd end up north of this south right. station tunnel you know, how the hell did i get there i wasn't <laughs> exactly you know, it's right, like i wasn't even paying that. attention to that whole drive up from foxborough right you know? because you're in you're in a, that's a meditative state yeah and so it'd be great if we could get um if i could get more people to understand that meditation isn't this like weird off color thing that you can't do because yeah. it makes you strange it's we do it all the time when we're daydreaming you're meditating yep when you have found yourself off in the distance not thinking about what was going on or someone's talking like i may be talking now and someone's zoning me out yep. you're you're actually meditating Showers. because you're in, in the, the shower, shower people yep. do their best thinking shower. run yeah. i when i go for yep. a run or i go for a long walk that's all meditative because my brain goes into a space of just i think about lots of things but the stress yeah. comes down and it goes into this space of relaxation where it's totally different but you're not is, in the future and you're less right, in the future you're and you're past, less in the you're past you're not in the future yeah. you're just in this you know the zone so for mm -hmm. athletes it's like the zone but just for the brain it's yeah. not the whole body necessarily but it can be so that would be the goal to get a person's brain um right before sleep to start going into that space so that you can have restorative sleep um and when you have any of the unnatural pharmaceutical grade things happening it changes your sleep when you put in something that's natural even though i'm a big proponent for that that still changes your ability to sleep in your own way um but they're handy to help you get you know as long as you're working on the underlying issues um but at the end of the day it always comes back to lou you know is that are you active are you keeping your brain active are you keeping your body active are you eating healthy are you putting a cut yeah. off that you're not eating a sleeve of oreos 20 minutes before you go to bed um Damn. You, know, you know things like that <laughs> yeah <laughs> not that i do that but no, i would like I, to i know lots of people that do that but and this skill of getting and it's to put it in a way that people can relate to i guess it's about being in the moment yes and being okay with where you are right now that skill is so vital for everything and you can do it just start you know, for half an hour i'm not going to worry about this i'm not, i'm setting that down for half an hour learn that skill and then you can do it at bedtime and you get better at it and you start uh getting motivated by that because those are good times so you start right. doing it more and more you just you naturally enhance that skill because it's a good place to be right so so i'm going to i'm going to take what you said and put it to start with 1 minute yeah. because right because yeah. it's like the exercise thing you're not running a marathon you're walking 10 steps right. so it's the same thing as if you want to start relaxing your brain and practicing that it's take one minute in the morning one minute and people will say i don't have time i always love that you <laughs> yeah. definitely have time yeah because if you're taking a shower and if you're not taking a shower then do it in the car and if you're not doing it in the car then say, yeah. one minute is it's amazing how quick one minute can go by right so just start with one minute 
And you're not clearing your brain of everything. All you're doing no. is sitting, close your eyes and just sit and listen. Pick one of your five senses and just do either look at something for a minute, focus on something you hear, focus on your breath, but you're just practicing a mindful state of just being in the moment. Yep. And that doesn't mean that everything else is going to go away. And that's one of the biggest misconceptions about meditation and, and you know, sleep or whatever, is that people, you know, there's all those key words that are like, let go of everything. And yep. that makes people anxious. Or yep. forget everything about today. That makes people anxious. You know, because they're like, because they can't, can't do it. Um, because you're not actually trying to get rid of anything. You're just trying to be present. Yeah. And that doesn't mean that you have to let go of things. You know, you talk to anyone who, you know, if you ever get a chance, and people are afraid of this too, if you ever get a chance, Lou, um, you probably have already done this, to talk to someone who practices Buddhism or a Buddhist monk. There's Buddhist monks that that are down the street from me in both both of my offices, home and yeah. whatever. And occasionally when I'm out for a walk or whatever. I'm doing this I've podcast a, now with Hindu. Right. So, with the Gita, which I, we're 140 episodes in. So right. you're learning so, some of these techniques. Exactly. Yeah. And, and attitudes and thoughts and your relationship with just things in general. Your, well, your relationship, relationship with, with your things thoughts. And in yeah. relationship to yourself. Yeah. And so just having even a, a two-minute conversation with, and you don't have to find someone that's a Buddhist monk like no. we do. <laughs> but to have that, it's uh, such an interesting um, perspective shift. And that perspective shift, if you're open to just having the thought that there could be something different, doesn't mean you have to buy into everything someone says, but just being open to the fact that it doesn't have to be the way that you're living currently, what a difference that can make. Yeah. If you don't have anyone by you that you or you're afraid to reach out to someone because it feels weird to you, you know, there's amazing things written on on Google, you you can go and you can read um, Tich Nhat Han. Have you ever? You know, no. So Tich Nhat no. Han is a very famous um, writer of really quick quotes. I mean, he's written beautiful long things on forgiveness and compassion and self compassion. And um, certainly, if anyone's interested, I can have you can put I can have you put up yep. something for people. But he's a great writer. You can you can get lots of different interesting things just on like one little page of how to live today in the present. And not hard writing, really easy, applicable, daily, and just being, you know, kind, loving, good person. Just to have the brain be calm, which brings you into sleep, that's yeah. calmer so that you learn how to be present instead of past and forward. It's not an all or nothing thing. And, right. and this whole process for me was like riding a bike. It was really difficult to accomplish. But once you accomplish it, you have it and you mm -hmm. just get better at it. Right. And it's just um, it doesn't mean you don't plan. It doesn't mean you don't worry about the past. It doesn't mean you don't take care of things. It means that there are certain times during the day where you can you can just be where you are and everything's OK. Exactly. That problem will still be there in a half an hour to be there tomorrow morning. There's nothing I can do about it. Get in that space. So I'm going to watch Baywatch. <laughs> there it is. Yeah. So. And there it is. But no, but that's that's the state you want to be. I mean, not necessarily with Baywatch, but that's the state you want to be 